Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. There's going to be uh, some offense. There's going to be uh, defense. There's going to be special teams. We are not good. What? We are not good, Chef. Nope. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. We need a corner! Why the f*** do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie, or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Um, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, Matt, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Dicker versus the Hurricane. Who would win? Thank God. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane Dicker. Here they are, Hogue and Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogue and Johns, back from the bye week and ready to go. Big game against the Lions this week. Johnsy, how you feeling? You didn't really take a bye week. You I, were... I did not take a bye week. Yeah. I, I went, well, as everybody knows, I went to Indianapolis to see the Michigan Wolverines defeat the Iowa Hawkeyes 26-0 in the Big Ten Championship game. I um, wanted to see J.D. McCarthy for myself. Um, a few scouting friends when I was going through my QB series and I was talking to people around the league, like, well, you got to go see J.J. McCarthy too. There's Caleb Williams, there's Drake May, and then Tier 3, Number three starts with J.J. McCarthy, so I had to go see him for myself. You didn't go there to see former Badger quarterback Deacon Hill? Who? Who? Who's like, was he? Oh, cute? that guy. The guy that, you know, fumbled the ball a few times. Isn't he, isn't he like 240 pounds? He's big. He's a He's big, big quarterback. Yeah. Who was the hefty lefty for uh, Kentucky? Oh, Jared Lorenzen? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You keep talking. I'm going to Google that real quick. The hefty lefty. Why are you hefty Googling lefty. Jared Lorenzen? Jared Lorenzen. Well, okay. As long as we're on the same page, whatever gets discussed here about Jim Harbaugh or, or uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy, let's just be on the same page that the best play in that game on Saturday night was, and I'm an idiot because I should have remembered his name, but the guy on Iowa that initially missed the tackle on the punt return and then ran like 97 yards to run him down. I knew you were going to bring this up because you're the special teams guy. That guy on my team right now, the Bears should use the number one overall pick on whoever that guy is. (laughs) Number four. Hold on. I got the roster right here. Yeah. You you know what I'm talking about? I mean, first of all, a little coaching point here. You'd like to see him. Uh, Richard Hightower did a great job of breaking this down. A little shuffle there at the end. He, he talked about this last week and then fire in. But at, at least from my standpoint, I don't mind the first guy firing in hard because he usually, you know, gets somebody else in there to make the tackle. If you miss, he got up, he hustled all the way down the field. Go look it up on Twitter. It's unbelievable. It's a great hustle play. Kane Entringer, Entringer from Michigan. There you go. Freshman. Um, yeah, so what the, the play is, when we were watching it live, we thought Michigan was, was going to score. Like, where did this guy come from? Like, who, 
Like, did he slow down? I mean, obviously he slowed down a little bit, but that's an outstanding play of effort that kind of went viral after that one. I mean, number four slips, misses the tackle, and then somehow <laughs> chases them down. Now, if that's your highlight of the game, though, uh, yeah. you have problems, Iowa. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of like that DK Metcalf one where he's oh, chasing yeah. down the pick six. He just comes out of nowhere. That was amazing. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, by the way, Jared Lorenzen no longer with us. Forgot about that. Yeah. Um, and one of his nicknames was, uh, according to Wikipedia, at least, was BBQ. <laughs> Big, beautiful quarterback. I like that. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, I did not anticipate it was coming out of the bye talking about Jared Lorenzen. But uh, here we are. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Uh, and you can, I mean, of course, on Twitter, our show account is at Hogan Johns. Please go to HoganJohns.com for all our merch. What, I mean, you want to talk Christmas items, Christmas gifts. It's all there for you. HoganJohns.com. We got hoodies. We got hats. We got winter hats. Uh, we got uh, those golf polos. We'll start thinking ahead to golf season already. Golf items are always good. Christmas gifts. Uh, those are up there. Of course, all our t-shirts go find them. HoganJohns.com. Always appreciate the support. Johnsy, while you were in Indy uh, scouting Jim Harbaugh and J.J. McCarthy, I was in Austin, Texas, scouting the team that Michigan's going to play in the national championship game, the Texas Longhorns, even though they were actually in Dallas. But Oh, so you got Michigan beating Alabama. And by scouting Texas, I mean I was drinking a lot of beer and eating barbecue and tacos with my wife. <laughs> but, you know, we had, we had different bye weeks. It's okay. I didn't go to... I didn't have a nice meal in Indianapolis. You went to Indy like, and didn't have a nice meal? I got there. I, I watched my son's basketball game. Got there at exactly like 6 p.m. Hopped on the media shuttle and went to the game. Oh, so you didn't even go Friday? No. See, Friday's presser was your opportunity to ask Jim Harbaugh about the Bears. It's <laughs> a little more of a casual presser. Yeah, a little relaxing. Well, you know, but... The uh, timing's not right for that, but... I mean, wrote that. I wrote it today... <laughs> Like I, I left there. I went there to, to watch JJ McCarthy, and I left there thinking after a thirty-minute press conference between him and between well McCarthy, Blake Corum, you know, Harbaugh. It was thirty minutes long. Like, like if the Bears do this, like if they fire Matty Rufus, and I'm not convinced they will, but if they do, like the most obvious answer is this human being I'm watching right now for thirty minutes. Like yeah. it's just it's right there. The Bears never make the obvious decision, but. There he is. No, they they Three time to, big time champion. They tend to go out of their way to not hire the obvious guy. Um, and then I think the question we all have is, will that change with Kevin Warren in the house? And then also, what is Kevin Warren? Uh, what's that relationship like with Jim Harbaugh? And what would that mean? I think from Jim Harbaugh's side, it, he could probably get over that. Um, you know, for the right opportunity with the right team and the right amount of money. Um, but that's, you know, another side of this. And again, uh, John's did write about this. Uh, he also wrote about JJ McCarthy. Both pieces are must reads up on the athletic, the athletic.com slash Hogan Johns. Um, so I guess what was it about Harbaugh before we get to McCarthy that kind of just made you realize that he's the perfect fit? It, it was the way he interacted with his players. They love him. And they had no problems. Like the interaction seemed so casual. Like you had this long press conference, but within this press conference, you had these unique interactions between head coach and player. 
They went down memory lane and talked about recruiting trips, not because they were asked about it, but just because it was like natural. You had Harbaugh interjecting on what McCarthy was saying about himself, where where Harbaugh was like, no, man, you play like a near perfect game. And you might raise your eyebrows to that because the stats aren't that good. But for that game, the defensive battle between two, again, very good defensive teams like J.G. McCarthy did what he needed to do to win the game. And I think we'll talk about that in a second. But it was just this unique setting where you have this coach who was won everywhere he went. And just hearing the like how how close his relationship is to his players and how they love playing for him and how they won't play for anybody else. You know, you hear a lot of that stuff after championship games, but this felt so genuine just because it was just more than player speak, coach speak. It was like the stories they were sharing, the looks in their faces as they looked at them. Like this felt for real to me, like as an outside observer coming in for that one night felt really real. Well, we're going to have Nick Baumgartner come on the show here uh, in a few minutes who, you know, he's a Michigan expert. He's a Lions expert. He's a draft expert. So he's really perfect um, for all these topics we're talking about. It's a Michigan heavy podcast, um, but really Michigan in the sense of how it all connects to the Chicago Bears, possibly. Um, You like you said, you went down there to see J.J. McCarthy. This is the third. You got to see Drake May. Uh, you got in North Carolina against Duke. You got to see Caleb Williams against Notre Dame. Uh, and now you went to see J.J. McCarthy. What stood out with J.J. McCarthy comparative to the other two quarterbacks? I think, well, what, number one, like I went down there like hoping it was a good game because I wanted to see J.J. McCarthy actually play. I got concerned at some points. Oh, man, Michigan's just going to blow him out. He's going to throw 10 passes. You know, complete nine of them, and that's going to be the evaluation. Like, it's not going to make for a good. But Iowa's defense is good. Very good. Yeah, so it's Fourth a good in test. scoring, seventh in total yards. Yeah. And that's out of all college teams. And Penn State, very good defense. Ohio State, very good defense. So three of the past four opponents that McCarthy has faced have been some of the best defenses in the entire country, um, which I think is meaningful. You know, NFL caliber defenses with NFL caliber players, right? Um, so, but I still wanted to see him throw, and I think I, I got some of that. I, I think just in terms of like the on the field player, his arm was stronger than I thought it would be. Like there is more zip there in his throws when you see it live than maybe you get feel for like when you watch the film or see the highlights or see on TV. There's more zip there. I think you see some of that in the the warmups too. I mean, he could throw the ball. Um, he is athletic. He, he keeps his eyes down the field. Like a lot of things that teams like about him, you saw. But then by the end of the night, the production wasn't exactly exciting. But there were some some great throws that were either negated by penalty or there was this one on third down. Um, it was a two-minute situation at the end of the first half. Third down play. He puts it right on the money to his tight end over the middle. About a 25-yard gain. It's a drop, like a bad drop, if not even for more. Like he's he hit him in stride. His, his tight end, Loveland, took his eyes off the ball, was looking down the field. I mean, there was yardage to be gained. Um, so there was some of that. But I don't want to say I was impressed. I, I think I saw some of the things I expected to see. But the difference, like I think the one thing that stood out to me, I put this in my article, like 
you start talking to evaluators for, from NFL teams about Drake May and Caleb Williams, they always like rave about the 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 on the field things first. With McCarthy, it's it's always oh his intangibles are through the roof, you know, all that stuff is like the first things like scouts will tell you about McCarthy. Uh, that can that's I mean that's both a plus and a minus, right? Because sometimes when they're raving about the intangibles, it's because you know it's compensating for lack of something on the field. Yeah, and it, it's a hard evaluation. Um, I haven't you know gotten into enough of the actual coaches tape on JJ McCarthy. I've obviously seen him play a ton, just you know as a Big Ten guy, and you know he went to Nazareth too, and so there's a connection to the Catholic League. I liked your anecdote in your uh, your write up on McCarthy about seeing him when Notre Dame played uh, Naz a few years ago. Yeah. And that was oh, kind yeah. of almost a similar feeling, right? Because you're like a whole half goes by and he hadn't done much. And you're like, well, this guy's a Michigan quarterback. Uh, and then he wows you with an incredible throw in the third quarter or whatever and shows you, you know, that talent that's that's still in there. So and it's it, kind of like, like, yeah, like you said, like that's him at Michigan, right? Like, yeah, that's it. Like it's Ohio State. You know, he's doing what he has to do. Then all of a sudden he, he rips a pass, you know, over and maybe between two defenders for a touchdown, which becomes one of his best passes of his Michigan career. Like that's McCarthy. Um, Yeah. I, look, the Bears have the first overall pick. I'm not saying J.J. McCarthy is in play for that. But like if you're looking at Jim Harbaugh, like this was this also stood out to me like. The guy loves him. Um, and, and like, I want to ask Nick this too, in, in a few minutes, like, uh, like he has, he has talked so glowingly about JJ McCarthy, Jim, Jim Harbaugh has where it, it, it just feels different to me. It's just not normal coach speak. I mean, it's comparing him to Andrew Luck. It's calling him the greatest quarterback in Michigan history. It's. Which, which is a pretty good history. It's calling him a beloved son. It's in this press conference stopping his quarterback from criticizing himself. It's in this press conference praising his quarterback, saying that he would follow him to hell and back, even though the question was about his running back. Let me talk about his running back, but then he, he decided to, to shift it to his quarterback. I mean, that felt... It, it's just so noteworthy to me. You know, I could be reading it wrong. I want to hear what Nick has to say about it. But if you trust Jim Harbaugh to be your head coach, like what do you make of his evaluation of J.J. McCarthy? I just think it's an interesting – call it a predicament. Call it a, a, a question to have if you were going to hire Jim Harbaugh. Oh, I'm sure that's something you got to discuss in the interview process if you are going to interview Jim Harbaugh. Um because obviously a lot of those discussions, if the Bears go down that road, are going to have to do with the quarterback. What do you think about this guy? And by the way, you know, he used to have to try to defend Justin Fields uh, when Justin Fields was at Ohio State. So he knows that, that side of it, too, from the other side. Um, while you were, were down in Indy, I, you know, was more vacationing. But on my flights to, to in and out of Austin, I downloaded uh, and, and watched the tapes from Caleb Williams' performance against uh, Notre Dame. And against Utah. And uh, first of all, big reason why I looked at those two games specifically was because those are probably the two toughest tests. Um, 
you know, defensively. Yeah, I ask around like which not about how did he play good or bad, but what were the toughest tests he had this year that were, you know, most likely simulate as much as possible the type of uh, tests he'll have at the next level. And those were the probably the two best defenses he faced this year. And I'll be honest, like there was more. I think my expectations were kind of lowered because obviously I watched that Notre Dame game. I read everything that you wrote about it, and that just clearly wasn't his best performance. But I. I, I came away from those tapes, you know, seeing more good than I thought I would. Everything, though, has to be back in the context of the lens of how Ryan Poles is probably looking at this, though. And that is if he needs to be blown away to move on from Justin Fields. I didn't see that in those two games. My. I saw a lot of good. I saw a lot of talent. I saw a lot of, you know, Caleb Williams probably being a good quarterback for somebody. But in the context of the Bears and how they make this decision on Justin Fields, it wasn't like jumping off the tape. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is you have to make this move. My question to you, though, because you've now seen all three of these guys in person. Did you get that feeling from any of these three quarterbacks where you're where you're just blown away? Yes, this this is a Bears guy. This this has to be the switch they make. The closest I got to feeling blown away was Drake May because it was a double overtime win where he didn't play that well until his team absolutely needed him to be the best player on the field. I covered Drake May's double overtime win against Duke. Rival game. And Duke, I know basketball school, but you know, I mean, their head coach just left for, for a good reason. I mean, they're top yeah. 10 defensively. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For those that don't know, Mike Elko went to Texas A&M um, yeah. and he's a really good coach. Did a great job at Duke. Great defense. Um, that's the closest I felt to use Ryan Poles's phrasing to, to being absolutely blown away. I expected to be blown away by Caleb Williams when I went to go see him because that's when the hype was at its peak. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's dipped since then because Notre Dame, again, very good defense. Very good coach. And like a scout buddy told me this is like you just you're going to experience something that scouts actually experience is when they attend these games in person, like certain elements of it stick with you. It's a different vibe being there than actually just watching it quietly on film. It's the emotions. You feel the momentum. You you could see some of the demeanor on the sidelines and stuff like that. Like it's, it's just different, different energy, right? And that was an awful game by Caleb Williams. And I agree with my, my scout friend. Like, that's in my, my head where I know he's an outstanding player. I know he has this uh, amazing knack for creativity. He could do things that Drake May and J.J. McCarthy simply can't. But he fumbles a lot. He had some bad turnovers in that game against a defense that's going to put players into the NFL against a defense coached by a good coach. So that kind of sticks with me. So to answer your question, the closest I have felt in terms of being blown away was Drake May against Duke. Hmm. Okay. And then since then, actually, hasn't been that good for Drake May. Yeah. Um, well, the good news is, and then maybe the bad news, too, is we have... Uh... Uh, what five and a half more months to go here? What are we? No, we're less than five months. J- December, January, February, 
March, April. So five months. Five months to go. <laughs> We've already fully broken these guys down. Yeah. Well, not fully, though. But I, I mean, we certainly are off to a good start. I, I, I mean, all the years we've been doing this podcast, we didn't have one of us go attend uh, all of w- one of their games. So that's a that that's a good start. And um, you know, the interesting thing is, JJ's the only one. Well, I don't know if did Drake may make it. I don't know if he's going to do it at the bowl game. But uh, but Caleb Williams not playing in the Holiday Bowl. He's already no, JJ McCarthy's the only one with something to play for. Yeah. So. Um, and he's got a lot to play for, and he's going to be yeah. in the middle of the spotlight, similar to Deshaun Watson and Justin Fields in the you know getting these big opportunities in the college football playoff. I, I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to January one. It's a, yeah, just a great slate of football. Um, I don't need to go on another rant about how Florida State got screwed. Florida State 100% got screwed. That being said, Michigan and Alabama is a much better game. <laughs> and and, and yeah. when we're all sitting there on, on uh, New Year's Day, it's a, it's an incredible doubleheader there. Um, and also you have the opportunity, if you want, to watch Wisconsin lose to LSU before those two games. So Ooh, you go triple. Well, they got a good quarterback, too. Not go. Wisconsin. Right. Jaden Daniels. But Jaden Daniels, Daniels uh, right there, too, in that yeah. game, assuming yeah. he's going to play. Um the, I don't know if you saw this, Johns, but every single football player in the world went in the transfer portal. <laughs> I saw. That. I think well, you and I, you and I are in the transfer portal. Where am I going? I don't know. It's, it, Monday was insane. Um, um, I I do have before we bring Nick in, like Har- Harbaugh mentioned this, so I I looked it up about JJ McCarthy being the best quarterback, and if not, he's definitely the the youngest of the best quarterbacks. So JJ McCarthy who will change his evaluation for the better, for better or worse against Alabama, right? Like he's only 20 years old. Drake may 21, Caleb Williams, 22, Jaden Daniels, 22, Michael Penix, 23, and Bo Nix, 23. So if those are your best quarterbacks, Jamie J McCarthy is years younger than some of these guys. Well, I swear to God, I saw Michael Penix play six years ago, uh, Northwestern, Indiana down in Bloomington and I'm like how is this guy just now entering the draft what is happening I was actually when you said he was 23 I thought he was going to be like hooker last year Hendon hooker was like 25 already yeah it's still weird with we're still recovering from some of this COVID stuff and extra years eligibility in the transfer portal it's just uh it's a different world and he turns 24 in May so Michael Panix does. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. He's been around forever. Um, and that's probably gonna, you know, work against him and something for McCarthy with that'll help him that 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 age. Um, so all right. Well, without further ado, let's uh let's break this stuff down more. Uh Nick Baumgartner knows everything there is to know about these subjects that we're talking about. So let's bring them in now. All right, well, let's keep the Michigan conversation going. This is uh, just pretty much a Wolverines podcast today uh, or an all-Michigan podcast because we'll get into the Lions stuff coming up here. And so. when you win three outright Big Ten champions, I, I think yeah. Hogan Johns, you know, I'm sorry if you got the Wisconsin helmet behind you. But no, that's fine. You kind of have to, right? Oh, shit, I forgot to turn on my Christmas lights, too. I just realized that. <laughs> uh, that's all right. We won't be festive today. But, um, yeah, look... Uh, 
we got the Michigan angle. We got JJ McCarthy. We got Jim Harbaugh. We got the Detroit Lions this week. So no one better to bring into the show than Nick Baumgartner, who does a great job pretty much covering all of this and the NFL draft. So uh, really cannot have a more perfect guest today. Make sure you are following him on Twitter at Nick Baumgartner, senior writer at The Athletic, covers the Lions, covers the draft, used to cover Michigan forever. So uh, Nick, really excited to, to talk to you. We were just discussing the... Jim Harbaugh situation, mm-hmm. how this could all unfold over the next, I mean, really, we're talking about a month and a half-ish, yeah, right. you know, Six between weeks. just the end of the national championship and maybe if the Bears are making a coaching change. Where where do you sit on all this with Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and what might be coming? You know, I think that, you know, I was just saying earlier to Adam, like, I think that the timing of this for Harbaugh, and now I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say I can predict what he's thinking. Nobody can. He's really hard to really hard to pin down on that sort of thing. The only people in my experience that will know what he wants to do ever are his dad and his brother. And that's it. Not his wife, <laughs> not his mom. I think the only two people are his dad and his brother. So that's why a lot of the guessing with Harbaugh stuff always gets wrong. The reporting always gets wrong. However, I do think this, this is the year before this season started, I actually – told people I thought this would be his last year at Michigan. I, I think the, the timing, he has wanted an NFL job the last two cycles, um, I think pretty badly. I know he wanted one in 2021, the Viking situation. I think he wanted one more than was let on last year. And I, I don't think it would take much more than a, you know, a phone call with the right, you know, like you're not going to bring him in under circumstances where he has no control over certain things. I don't know if you would give him the keys to the city type deal, but you know, it's a delicate deal, but I do think he would be interested given that they're back in the playoff. They've won three straight, you know, conference titles. This is the best team he's he's got. This is it right here. Um, there's no promises about McCarthy coming back or anybody else. So I do think this would be a, you know, he's got the program is set up. They got the young coaches there now who could move forward. So if the if the right offer and time comes, I think this would be the year that he would do it. Just he's just always guess. he's always linked to the Raiders and the Bears. Yeah, Mark Davis, like, yep. Yeah, why well, why the Raiders? Well, obviously Mark Davis, mm-hmm. but then like, obviously there's Bears connections. But do you think like what do you make of those links? I, I guess in the reporting. Yeah, I think that the Raiders thing always comes up because of the Davis family. Um, Al Davis was a mentor of Jim Harbaugh. Was one of the few people in the NFL that I think he would consider that. Also, John Madden. Um, he and John Madden were very close, uh, and so the connection there was always you know, right up until the end of his playing career. Uh, I believe Jim's first job as a coach was an assistant for uh, the Raiders. So, you know, Al Davis had advised him the whole thing about like, don't, don't go and do what you did. Take the San Diego job and stay, you know, stay with me, all this. So they're, they've been close for a long time. And I think that's always been there. That was there even in 2015, you know, uh, Mark Davis wanted him pretty badly when he came to Michigan. So that's the one that always comes up. And then the second, the Chicago one, um, I think for a couple reasons, I think obviously he played there and you guys would know better than I, I always thought I've always found that he's really well liked and re- really well remembered by Bears fans, even though I don't think that his <laughs> on field record <laughs> was necessarily good, but I feel like the Bears fans generally have always really liked our ball. And I think that they, he identifies and they identify with him and the style of play, right? Like just how he, how he is, what his teams are about. I think Bears fans have, Certainly Long maybe wanted that, but it seems to me, maybe you guys would think different. He seems to always have been sort of beloved there. Even in the early years at Michigan, when he would go to Chicago, he'd always be on the radio shows and 
everybody seemed to love him. So yeah, I, I think as long as he's loved, <laughs> that he's interested, and I think that's a big part of it. So what? Uh, I'm trying to go back to now two seasons ago, and when he seemed to really want that Vikings job, and yeah. then it didn't come together. And meanwhile, the Bears were also in the market for a new general manager and a new head coach. And the, the, we talked, we did the whole Harbaugh discussion right. then, but nothing really came of it. There didn't seem to be much, much interest at the time from the Bears. So I guess what we're trying to figure out here is, A, what happened in Minnesota that he didn't mm-hmm. end up there? And and B, you know, and this is probably more on our end, but just why would things be different this time for the Bears when they didn't really pursue him a couple of years ago? So my memory on that one, if I can remember correctly, was the Minnesota one. He goes there for the interview, right? Um, you know, gets on the plane to go thinking, because he's Jim Harbaugh, like, I've never lost a fight in my life. This I'm this is my job. I'm coming back with the job. Like, so he lands does the interview. And my understanding was some point along the way uh, they were like, you know, we're going to bring you back for like a second part of this. Cause that's how this goes now. All this sort of, thing. you know, meet the other office staff. And he was kind of like, Whoa, what understood somewhere along the way? Like, I'm not, this isn't a foregone conclusion. Well, I'm not going to do this pulls out and then goes right back to Michigan. Uh, I think that NFL people around that time. And even last year, were still a little bit gun shy on like, it wasn't that long ago that Michigan was a mess and he was the reason why they were a mess. And there are things that you get with Jim Harbaugh that come along with sort of the brilliance that he brings to a slumping team, which is exactly what he would be able to do in a team like Chicago. You have to give him probably more control than you're comfortable with. You have to sort of seed points sometimes that you don't want to, and you have to deal with a lot of other stuff that maybe you don't want to. And that's sort of the tricky part, I guess, with him as a candidate, but Three straight years of, of you know, producing at Michigan, these players seem to love him. I mean, there was a question three years ago about can you relate to young kids? That seems to be at least improving uh, or maybe at an all-time high now. So I do think that his reputation is maybe improved uh, in a football sense over the last couple of years. You know, from there, though, I don't know. It's always tricky with him. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So here, here I am in Indianapolis a couple of days ago. And you have Blake Corm. You have J.J. McCarthy, like literally telling Jim Harbaugh they love him. And they wouldn't mm-hmm. play for anybody else, like sitting oh, yeah. next to him. And I mean, that's easy to, to to identify with after winning like the third Big Ten championship. So I don't know. Maybe can you like take us through like the timeline of things? Like, what did he build there? You see all the success now. I know there were some down years in the middle of yeah. his nine years there, but like from the moment he arrived, like what type of energy and juice did he bring? And like, how did that kind of Take us through the ebbs and flows, oh. maybe, if you can. Man, I mean, when he comes in, it's right off the shoot. Same thing that happened in San Francisco. Same thing that happened in Michigan. It's a total culture shock. And he brings a level of uh, toughness and, like, confidence in that toughness that if you're going to be around him, like, by proxy, you're just going to be a tougher person. Like, that's sort of how he uh, approaches. And, you know, back then, that was, of course, that's the other question. That was 10 years ago. He had the juice physically to go out there and run around, and practices were intense. Uh, it was a lot of grinding stuff. They were they hit more obviously than people were used to, which would probably be the case uh, if he came in, you know, in a training camp situation. It would be a really hard first, you know, six months for everybody, including the support staff and everybody. I mean, it would be hard. But along the way, he has a way of sort of because he played, and you know, he speaks he speaks the language of a player. Um, when he gets into the room with them and sits down with them, it's it's hard for those guys, I think, to not come away with. Man, he really understands the game, really loves the game. And if you're on his team, he'll do anything for you. Like, that's sort of what 
what he's about. And that can change at the drop of a hat. Like, it's not like he's going to hold a grudge. If you're on his team, then that's the most important thing in his life. So in a lot of ways, he practices what he preaches. And, and that all sort of holds up and comes true. But the real thing that that pops up, and again, Michigan's going to have to answer this question too when, these, when this group that you just mentioned all passes through. He's got to get the right people with him. Tough people like to work with other tough people. Sometimes those people come and they peak and they go, and then the transition after that, or once you've gotten to the climb of where you want to go, he has a hard time sort of like leveling off and just living in the job. And I think that that's been the biggest thing for him to hurdle to overcome. But his ability to shock a system and change a culture is it's still got to be as, as good as anything in the country or, you know, in football, I should say. Uh, one, one more Harbaugh question. Then we can uh, talk about future Bears quarterback, JJ McCarthy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, how much does, uh, does winning this thing matter in this, in this equation? Does he, if he, if he, if they, if Michigan falls short, doesn't mm-hmm. win the national title, uh, does that change the equation at all? Or, or, mm-hmm. and then uh, on the other side, if they do win it, do you think he's definitely gone? I think if they do win it, that would really be hard for him to not, you know, I think it would really be hard to not, to not want to then leave. Cause he definitely wants to take another crack at the NFL. Uh, the question that I have is, would it matter if they win or lose? I'm not sure. I think that he really wants to coach in the NFL again. And I think he understands that, you know, it's however old he is, he's not getting any younger here. Um, and having dealt with a lot of coaches over the years in situations like this, they all get to a point where if they've been in the pros and, or been in college for a long time and want to take that crack, they know that at some point the last call is going to come and I'm not going to have to, I can't say no to all of them. Uh, and I've, I've gotten that sense over the last few years that that, you know, he has an agent now that was definitely not a thing like five years ago, six years ago, he had no interest in any of this stuff from NFL teams. The last couple of years has definitely changed. So I think that there's a clock ticking a little bit there. I think he, I think he's done exactly what he wanted to do at Michigan. I don't think that the finish year would obviously change maybe the narrative there, but I, I don't think it would maybe make that much of an impact. So JJ McCarthy is, is like his guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has like talked glowingly about him for, for two yeah. years, you, you know, like coaches do that with players. But, well, yeah, he does that with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but but <laughs> is fair. it different with McCarthy? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's calling him like a beloved son. I, it, how do you interpret everything he's saying about JJ McCarthy? So they're very similar um, in so many ways uh, as people, you know, number one, they think similarly, you know, um, I think they're very competitive people. They really love football and they're different They're And they really sort of like aren't afraid to be different. I, I, you know, McCarthy's been doing yoga there on the field or meditation and all this sort of stuff that he's been doing since he walked in the door and never really cared about what anyone ever says about anything like this. They're very similar in that sense, but they also play very similarly, like if, you know, you go back and you watch Harbaugh clips from back in the day, either when he was in college or as a young player with the Bears or even with the Colts, uh, they have that. He, McCarthy has that ability to just never let a play die. He can make a play when there's not any play there. It's the ability to extend a play while keeping his eyes up, uh, maintaining the ability to run and be a serious threat to pass, which we just don't see a lot of in college. Usually when a guy breaks the pocket, it's he's running, right? It's not still or he's going to throw it. He's just not really, a you know. McCarthy is really one of the few, you know, Jaden Daniels has been better at this, but really he turns into a runner quicker. McCarthy has got some of that Mahomes on the move. I can be loaded and throw the ball from any angle and it can be accurate. And that's his best trait. Not always consistent, but that's really, to me, his best trait is out on the move and throwing on the run like that. So what do you make of the fact that, you know, and and a lot of it's just system based, this offense he's been in, Mm -hmm. how run heavy it's been. 
he's played a lot of football for Michigan, and yet the yep. passing attempts at the end of the day are like half of some of these other quarterback right. prospects. And and that's a real thing from a quarterback evaluation. Like these teams, and I think we're learning more and more about this. They want to see more passing attempts. So, yeah. I, I mean, just how do you sort that all out when it comes to J.J. McCarthy with all the experience he has, but yet not quite as many passing attempts? I would say the reason why he heart, you know, it sounds like he's Harbaugh's guy that he loves him like a kid or whatever, is that that is all true that those attempts have been lower and he's never said a word about it. He's never complained. He's never said anything. No one in his circle has ever said anything because I think that's part of the reason why he went there is understanding. Look, a lot of kids, I think get this and a lot of kids don't, but like you have to understand the full, the full package. You have to understand everything about the run game. If you're a quarterback, you have to understand everything about protections. You have to understand everything about, you know, how to be a play passer beyond just like an RPO stuff and the stuff that you do in high school. Like uh, McCarthy left uh, whatever school he played in there in Illinois for IMG, I think as a junior to run a more, you know, highly, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to play for a guy that gave him the full thing and didn't pull anything back. Harbaugh, they give him a lot to do on the field in terms of calls and checks with the run game beyond that. I think he takes a lot of pride in that. Um, And I think what teams will end up seeing is that he passed up or he traded you know, maybe attempts for seasoning and how to manage and run a game. Like, I think he's gotten so much better at situational football as often you see from Harbaugh quarterbacks. Um, and, you know, for a guy with all that arm talent and everything else on top of it, it's really shown up this season in terms of efficiency and everything else. His numbers on third down are outstanding. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Like, to, to me, that's something. If you're evaluating, like, quarterbacks in, mm-hmm. in more crucial moments like than others – like that stands yeah. out to me just how well it's the efficiency and then it's the productivity. It's the touchdown passes on third and seven and, and, and whatnot. Like, so how would you compare him to Caleb Williams, Drake may? I mean, does he belong yeah. in that conversation to you? I think he belongs in the QB three conversation. And I think he is a guy that when the smoke settles, I do think he's a first round pick. Um, You know, he and Jaden Daniels, I think are right now the two guys that would be, you know, three and four. I think both those guys have an argument to be first round picks, but I think McCarthy, I could see where teams are going to be a little, you know, he's not very strong. He's still kind of thin. Um, I think he's added weight, but it's still, you'd like to see a little bit more there. He's, he's taken some hits and we've seen how that's going on. And there's also, yeah, I mean, there is a, there is an inconsistency with how he places the ball down the field. Um, It's not always where it needs to be from the pocket. Uh, he has a lot of really good receivers and players at Michigan that sort of have helped him out over the years with that. That has improved, but there's still some of that that could definitely get better. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you know, look, if he's a guy that's like number 40 on some team's boards or 50, like that's still to me a, a quarterback. I mean, he's right on the fringe of probably being in the 20s, somewhere in there. To, you know, that's that's the difference. He's not as explosive as Caleb or as well-built as Drake May, um, but his arm is as good as anybody else's in the country. So um, based on this 16 minute interview so far in our questions, you can see where the Chicago bears are as a franchise right now. Yeah. And, uh, in, in December, as <laughs> we, we talk about possible head coaching candidates and oh, uh, the next quarterbacks. Um, and yet we sit here and it's been complicated because of, uh, you know, for instance, the game, the bears played against the lions just a couple weeks ago where, right. you know, they pretty much dominated that won. game. Yeah. Yeah, and they should have won. And so there's 
as hard as it's been to see sometimes, there has been progress with this coaching staff. It's not a foregone conclusion that Matt Eberflus is out the door. Uh, it's not a foregone conclusion that Justin Fields is out the door. So, uh, and then the Lions have been interesting to watch these last couple weeks because then they go on to, to to lose pretty convincingly to the Packers on Thanksgiving, and then they had that weird game where they look like they're going to blow out the Saints, and then it ended up being <clears> tight. Yeah. Um, so let's switch gears to the Lions a little bit. What was uh, what's been the just the temperature in Detroit recently with a team that uh, just things aren't quite going quite as smooth as they right. they were, you know, maybe a month ago. Yeah, they definitely hit some rough air. You know, a lot of injuries sort of caught up with them. And then they got through that. And then when even when guys got back, there was, you know, just inconsistency with a lot of – I think a lot of guys had some bad stretches at the same time. Like Jared Goff had been so good, uh, you know, for the for the previous, like let's say for, over the last month – prior to last month anyway, at really not worrying about, you know – zero conscious passing like just i'm gonna fit the ball i'm not gonna worry about him we have st brown and the porter and these guys a chance to make a play and they're gonna do it uh he got a ball picked somewhere along the way like a month ago and then his confidence i felt like it sort of dipped the offensive line had some injuries protection was a problem i think ben johnson had a couple days where it was rough and he tried to overdo it um so it was a lot of stuff and i feel like the lions are still a team uh that's not only young roster wise the coaching staff is still really young and i think dan campbell and the group is still sort of learning how to uh, manage everything week to week with with a roster that is obviously very talented. So they got themselves, and that's why you've seen some of this up and down all over the place. They got themselves right again to start the New Orleans game, and then you fade, and then you have to figure out how to finish. So it's been yo-yo-y, to say the least, uh, but at the same time, they've continued to navigate it, which I think that I probably expected it to be up and down at some point in the middle of the season because they are so young, but... Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they close here. So take us to that that, that Thanksgiving game, if, if you can. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, is Jordan Love, I guess, good in your opinion? It's, it's a running joke <laughs> conversation here. But, like, is that a classic, you know, game within a few days after, you know, yeah. kind of like a an emotional comeback win against the Bears? Like, how, did, how do you view what happened against the Packers? I think that a couple things. Obviously, I think Green Bay played well. Um, I think Jordan Love played better last week than he did in, on the Thanksgiving game. I think he had a couple lucky shots in there on the Thanksgiving game. There was one where he kind of like had his arm turned. He like and I was and he got it was like a twenty five yard completion. Is that the know, one that like literally went through human beings? Like over the middle, yeah. And you're like, okay, like that was just kind of he. It was his day, we'll say. And he did play well. He's improving. I will say that he's improving. Uh, I'm not sure if I'll go as far as say that he's you know good or I would close the book on whether or not they need to continue looking, but. They played well as a team. I think every you know the group played well that day. And Green Bay does have a lot of like like Chicago, like Minnesota. There are a lot of young pieces that when they all come together, it looks pretty good. And Detroit had a rough one. Like I said, I mean, I think they tried to do way too much. I think they tried to overcorrect. They had a rough day against the Bears and pulled it out. And I think we're still sort of like that's not how we want to play. They tried to do too much. And it was just I think they had six fourth downs that they blew in that game, which is crazy, right? So I mean, it was a lot of sloppy erratic football and they still have a chance to win it at the end which i think sort of says all there is to say about that one um but that's kind of the the scary thing with the lions is are they going to be the team that runs the ball smoothly and just takes care of it and does what they want to do or are they going to get in the middle of the games and freak out and all of a sudden they don't know what's going on here so it's been a little consistent over the last month but um yeah i guess we'll see how it goes i noticed uh, the 
the line on this game is is interesting because I think it got all the way up to nine and a half when the Bears played in Detroit a few weeks ago. Yeah, like okay. I, I think that's yeah. where it settled. I think it was at eight and a half for a lot of the week and then maybe went to nine. Maybe it was the other way around. Nine and a half went down to eight and a half. Whatever it was, it was right there. And now this one, I think, opened up at just four. And I, when I checked it last night, it was down to three. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Lions only yeah. being favored by three on the road. Um, I, I, I guess that makes sense considering how the Bears... Yeah, the Bears played the Lions, and then the Bears got a win, and it's been shaky. I just, I, I, what's the temperature in Detroit right now about? I guess the level of concern about this oh, game. Yeah, I, go ahead. I think that the Bears remind the Lions of the Lions in a lot of ways from a couple of years ago or whatever. I think the the young core of it's not all there. They need more of it. But you've got, you know, when Darnell Wright's out there healthy, he's been terrific. They've got some guys that they have taken here. And they've added that have been really good. And it just doesn't come all the time at once when you're dealing with young players. And they've made some, you know, poor decisions, obviously, with the roster. But I do think that they see a lot of similar stuff because it's like you've got a young quarterback even who's trying to prove himself and trying to, like, prove everybody that he can be, you know, more than what people now have closed the book on him and said, you got to move on and quit on him and all this. I think I do think that they see a lot of themselves there. And that's a dangerous uh, they remember themselves as a dangerous group, you know, in 2021, 2022, even the year where they lost all those games, they fought everybody right to the end. So I think that's what they see in Green Bay and Chicago right now. And Chicago, maybe more so just because Fields, you know, at the drop of a hat can just turn into like an MVP level player and then freak out and go right off the cliff. So I think that's the difference there. But they it's, it's high level concern because I think they know that they probably should have lost, you know, last time they played. So taking in, in, into account like everything you just said, high level of concern, you know, mm-hmm. maybe the Bears can surprise the Lions this week. Like, how do you think they fit among the best teams in, in the conference right now? The 49ers, the Eagles, the Cowboys. Like, are they yeah. number four on your list? Uh, yeah. Behind those? I think that's probably yes when you just rattle those off because, you know, this division is obviously not elite, as we know. <laughs> it's far from elite. Uh, Detroit schedule has not been good. It uh, it will it will continue to not be good uh, for most of the rest here. They do have Dallas later in the year, but based on everything that we've seen from those other teams, specifically Philly and San Francisco, they seem to be on a different level. And then Dallas, you know, if Prescott's going to play the way he's played, you know, of late, they look like a Super Bowl contender. I'm not sure the Lions are a Super Bowl contender. I don't know if I would put them in that tier. I, to me, they're a playoff team. They're a team that can certainly make the playoffs, win this division, maybe win a playoff game. But it does feel like to me they still need more in a few areas. You know, uh, we've seen Aiden Hutchinson be one of the top uh, pressure guys in the league this year, but he's the only one. I mean, he's only got five sacks because a lot. You know, he's getting doubled. They don't have enough up front. They, you know, the defense has been very leaky. Um, there's a ton of stuff to like about the Lions still, and I think that they're going in the right direction. But I'm still not sure if they're, you know, exactly what their record maybe shows based on how this division has been. So uh, one more coaching question, because in, and I know we asked Colton about this a few weeks ago, um, but Ben Johnson is probably going to get some looks here uh, uh, again uh, if he wants them. And, you know, everything offensively is right there on the tape. It's impressive. What he's done with Jared Goff is, is impressive. But what is your take on him in terms of head coaching material? Yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question because it's been such a fast rise for him. He was like, it was not that long ago. And really the only reason he was a holdover on the Campbell staff is because Dan knew him from the random time he was with him in uh, Miami. 
because he was a Patricia hire. Ben Johnson was a tight ends coach for Patricia during that last year. Uh, and maybe even like an analyst or something like that. And then he slowly Campbell got here, changed everything and was like, Oh yeah, I remember this guy starts listening to him more and more. His voice sort of grows more and more. Uh, and then it hasn't stopped growing. And I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot to like in that because he sort of forced his way into a conversation in a room of coaches that is really like a highly experienced You're talking. I mean, he, he unseated Anthony Lynn. I mean, he got him basically taken out of there right away. It was, he took his job within the first like six weeks. And I think that there's some confidence there, but there's also a lot of questions because this offensive line is awesome. They have, if not the second or third best offensive line in the NFL, it's one of those three in terms of talent. Uh, the backs that they now have in Montgomery and Gibbs to run with has been awesome. You know, they've, they've had pieces and weapons here for sure. Uh, they've done the right things with them, obviously. And I think that's why he gets all the credit for that, but I'm not sure because, you know, this is not a former, I guess he is a former quarterback, but in a lot of ways, that's not what he's, his, his like grow up in this game has been about the run game. So that can be hard to predict sometimes with head coaches, I think, right. When all things are equal. So I, I think sometimes I wonder if he has to go to the right job, if you know, the personnel and everything, but I don't know. Rains to be seen on that front. It's the Jimmy's and Joe's, not the X's and O's. Yeah, it is usually. <laughs> it's the Jim Harbaugh's and Ben Johnson's. <laughs> Jim's and Ben's. Yeah. 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 Uh, Nick, great stuff. We always love talking to you and uh, just perfect conversation for today. So thanks for jumping on with us. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Nick. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. By the way, if anyone's interested, Nick uh, Nick wrote a book about the 97 Michigan Wolverines called Mountaintop. That team was loaded. Charles Woodson, Tom Brady was on that team. So he's uh, he's a Michigan guy, and uh, it was good to have him on talking, talking about these Michigan connections today. You hear everything he said about, like, like Harbaugh, and, like, don't the Raiders just sound, like, perfect for him right now? No, Coach. No GM. <laughs> like, yeah. please come help us. Yeah, I um, I, I haven't looked at, like, what the betting favorites would be, but you'd have to think the Raiders are higher on the list than the Bears. Yeah. If, if, if not for anything else than that, uh, they, well, like, they, have, Mark a, they have an interim coach right now. They have an opening. And like, like we talked about in the, the opening of the show, like, Mark Davis, he'll take that big swing. Man, it. He'll go for it. He wants to do it. Yeah. He's ready. And and that's the big question, too. Again, is just, you know, are, are the McCaskies going to compete with the Davis family on paying a guy like that? I don't know. See, I, I don't even think it's paying him because they can. It's well, I know it's a can, but they just there's no track record there. It's like the Raiders gave John Gruden a hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, until the Bears do it with a head coach, I mean, until they show they're willing to pay one, you know, $15 million or something like that, which sounds crazy, but that's, you know, if you're going to go big, you got to do it. Yeah. I, I just think the Bears have to, like, make, they almost have to, like, sell themselves to a candidate like this sometimes, you know, roll out the, the red carpet. But I don't think the Bears, like, have the carpet handy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't remember. Yeah, there's got to be some carpet in that house. Hall. Blue entryway. Yeah, there's the one trophy. Blue. There's the one trophy, and then there's the uh, you know the George House statue outside. Um, well, it is interesting with the Michigan connections. Uh, it, it's good having you down in Indy to to report on all this. And um, well, now we turn our attention from Ann Arbor to Detroit because it's uh. Bears got a game this week that's winnable. You can kind of just tell talking to Nick that the Lions are a little worried about this. So um, we'll have more on the uh, Bears-Lions game on Thursday, as always. And uh, we have a special guest coming up. Since we had Nick on Tuesday, we're going to have Diana Rossini on Thursday. Um, So she's been reporting some stuff this week. And I'm sure she's got some fire. Yeah, she's got some some good stuff, uh, I'm sure, on the Bears, too, and where things stand. So Diana will join us on Thursday. We'll preview the game, as we always do, and jump right back in it after the bye week. Talk to you on Thursday. The culture uh, in our building is outstanding. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.